for the reading of Scripture this morning, which we'll find in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 1. We'll begin reading with verse 16, and we'll read down through verse 25. Let us hear and attend to the Word of God. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom, of her, was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called, and he called his name Jesus. And we'll end our reading of the Holy Scriptures there this morning. Please be seated. Now, throughout the Bible, the story of redemption often identifies people individually. It emphasizes for us God's personal involvement in the world. That's astounding in and of itself. God's personal involvement in this world, the world of his creation. And even as I prayed earlier today about the discreet knowledge that God has of each of us. So God names for us people and gives us their story as a part of his bigger story some of these named people you probably are familiar with, identified in the biblical epics such as Abraham, Moses, and David. The Joseph of the Old Testament has been celebrated in popular culture uh, with um, particularly songs and, and uh, even, I think, a cartoon uh, uh, film and that kind of thing. There's another Joseph in the Bible, Joseph of Arimathea, who is associated with Jesus' burial. But the Joseph of the Christmas story is named for us, but he's little known. Yet he's one of the most important people in the most important biblical epic, the birth of the Savior. There are some more recent Christian songs that consider Joseph knowing that the baby Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah and Son of God. Uh, there's Joseph's Song by Michael Card, and then there's also Joseph's Lullaby by Mercy Me. You hear that a lot uh, during Advent season if you listen to Christian radio and that kind of thing. Now, although the scriptures are in Scripture, uh, we're not given much biographical information about this Joseph of the Christmas story. Uh, you may know or you would be amazed that there is much extra-biblical, historical, man-made superstitions about Joseph, the husband of Mary. Uh, but we don't go there because we're not interested in man-made superstitions. We are told in Scripture about this Joseph of the Christmas story, this Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
And you need to really focus in on this, but that's what we're going to look at this morning mainly, that he was a just man. Now, Joseph being a just man, being a righteous man, the word just and righteous, same word in Greek, is about more than his being a nice guy. That's kind of the sense that we have. Oh, he's a just man. He's a nice guy. Or that he's fair-minded. Even when we read the scriptures here, we get a sense, oh, well, he was fair-minded. He, he just didn't want to bring uh, ridicule, and he didn't really want to hurt Mary's feelings, even though he thought that she had been unfaithful to him. But that's not what the scripture means when it says that Joseph was a just man. There's an interesting parallel that I want you to consider this morning. Maybe you know more about Abraham as being justified by faith. But we need to see this morning that also Joseph, the husband of Mary, is presented to us as one who is justified by faith and one who is called to serve God. Uh, We read about Abraham in, in Romans 4. This is what the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham, but also Joseph, husband of Mary, believed God, and it was accounted to him, it was imputed to him for righteousness, for a just and right relationship before God. Uh, Paul goes on to write, in the presence of him whom he believed. In whose presence did he believe? God. Abraham believed in God's presence. Joseph, the husband of Mary, believed in God's presence. And this God is the one who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did exist. He did that for Abraham. He did that for Joseph, the husband of Mary. He does that, he tells us from Scripture, for all who believe in him. He calls those things to life that were dead. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And it was only God calling me to life. And if you are born again, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And it was only God who gives life to the dead that called you to life in Jesus Christ. Like he called Lazarus out of the tomb. Dead. Called to life. And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Here we find a miracle. The miracle of miracles. That he calls what doesn't exist into existence. The human nature of the baby Jesus came into existence without a human father. We're going to say more about that in just a moment as it's presented to us in this genealogy. Something I don't want you to miss. But we look at the story of Abraham, how Abraham believed God. And by his believing, he was made righteous, not by his own works, but by the gift of faith. And as such... God did in calling to life that which was dead. And we know the story of Abraham and Sarah when they were advanced in age, close to 100 years old and past the time of childbearing, yet God gave them a child as a symbol of the child of promise because God called from the dead back to life. And so for Joseph, the husband of Mary, God called what did not exist He called it into existence. Now, the eternal Son of God has always existed uncreated with God the Father in the mystery of the Holy Trinity. doesn't matter if you can't explain that. The Bible presents it to us as a matter of faith of the wonder, mysterious wonder of who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we accept it by faith. So the eternal Son of God has always existed, but the miracle of miracles is that He came into union with the human nature of the man Jesus without a human father, to be the last Adam, to do what Adam failed to do, the first created man in covenant relationship with God, and to undo what Adam did 
the first created man in covenant relationship with God from whom we are all descended. doesn't matter whether you believe that or not. It's true. God is the creator. And God created man and woman. They were the first uh, originators or progenerators of the human race. And history gives us that, uh, traces out that uh, for us. And so uh, it's important that we recognize and proclaim that because what it tells us is that the Son of God came in a miracle, the miracle of miracles, through the incarnation, the union of the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, truly God, truly God of His essence, into union with the true human nature of Jesus, conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of God in a miracle, not by natural means, by supernatural means, but a true person one person with two natures, God-man, Emmanuel, God with us. So this is what is being celebrated in terms of Abraham and Joseph believing God. And so it was that contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he, Abraham, became the father of many nations or peoples, so that Joseph, the husband of Mary, by the miracle of the virgin birth, became the legal foster father of the son of promise, Jesus we, we are accustomed to hearing that Abraham had hope. He believed and trusted God. He, he had hope against what he was facing, even when God directed him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And that's another important story that is often abused, but is to be understood covenantally. And the writer of the Hebrews says that in faith, Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac up from the dead. In his heart, he was as good as dead. He gave him up. So he hoped against hope. He believed beyond human ability by the supernatural witness of the Holy Spirit of God. And the same is true for Joseph, the husband of Mary. He hoped against hope. Can you imagine how he was relieved when the Holy Spirit or the angel revealed to him that, that Mary was a servant of the Lord, that she had not been unfaithful to him, that here is something miraculous that God is doing, that Joseph believed God. He held on to that. He accepted it. So he believed God like Abraham before him believed. By faith, Abraham and Joseph, the husband of Mary, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. Of course, God made that promise to, to Abraham. It was a, a, a symbolic promise that was representational of a far greater promise that the whole world belongs to God. Jesus is the Savior of the world. We get really confused and, and much is uh, misdirected to us about the, that uh, plot of dirt over in the Middle East. We're not talking about a plot of dirt in the Middle East. We're talking about the whole world. And this is the greater promise that came and that Joseph embraced in knowing that Jesus, the Son of God, would fulfill all those promises. And he went out. Joseph went out. He went from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He had to make a journey with his expectant wife. And, and you know the story. Now, when they got to Bethlehem, uh, it came time for her to deliver. Can you imagine what a hard journey that would be? We, we think about Mary often, but do we think about Joseph? Think about the compassion of Joseph that he had for his uh, expectant wife who was on the verge of giving birth. You ladies who have given birth know about how uncomfortable that is. Can you imagine doing that trip, not in a station wagon or an SUV, but on foot or on a burrow or by what other means of, they had to go and travel? 
And I often think that Joseph is overlooked with what compassion he must have had about what could he do for Mary. But he had to go out where God directed him. And then, of course, you remember after the birth of Jesus, I I think they probably relocated back to Nazareth, but then uh, Herod sent out a decree to, to massacre the male children two years old and younger. And what did the angel of the Lord tell Joseph to do? To flee into Egypt, again, in fulfillment of prophecy, but to protect and preserve the life of the baby. And Joseph had to to pick up and move and take Mary and the baby Jesus, maybe the toddler Jesus at that time, to Egypt. Now some have tried to preserve a, a, a superstition that Joseph was married previously and had older children, and they preserve what is called the perpetual virginity of, of Mary, that she and Joseph never lived as husband and wife, and that they never had their own children. But Scripture tells us differently. There are some who want to say that the brothers and sisters that are named for G, uh, of Jesus in the Bible are really his cousins, because that's a kind of broader term, so we could actually make a case linguistically. Well, they were really just his cousins, because Mary was a perpetual virgin. No, she wasn't. She was a regular person. She was a wife, and Joseph was a husband. We have nothing to tell us about previous children when Joseph was caring for Mary and then when Jesus was born and he had to go out not knowing where he was going and not knowing how he was going to provide and not knowing what the world, the flesh, and the devil would do to destroy them. He had to trust God like Abraham before him, a man who was justified by faith, a man who lived by faith, a man who trusted God for the lives of his wife and child and himself. I think the story of Joseph needs to be celebrated. And so both Abraham and Joseph went out not knowing where they were going. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so Joseph, the husband of Mary, in faith, gave up the baby Jesus as the only begotten son of God, risking their lives against the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think we need to appreciate how Joseph gave up in faith. He gave up a normal life. What is normal? <laughs> he gave up a normal family in, in many respects. I, I, we just, it doesn't do us any good to speculate about Jesus. There, there are uh, false writings that talk about Jesus as a child making clay birds and turning them into real birds to you know, fascinate his brothers and sisters and neighbors and whatever. That's all a bunch of bunk. There's nothing in Scripture about that. We don't know what it was like. We have a few indications. Uh, One of the favorite stories is when, uh, as was the custom, they went up to Jerusalem and they took the boy Jesus with them. And then he's over in the temple precincts talking with the doctors of the law, the scribes, fascinating them with his knowledge of Scripture. Here is a boy and they leave to go back home. You know, they pack up the station wagon cart, they get all their supplies and head down the road with their friends, and they get a a ways away, and they realize, where's Jesus? He's back in the temple. And it's a fascinating story. But we really are not told much about his childhood other than he grew as a normal child, and he grew not only in his humanity, but he also grew in stature and wisdom with God, the way the Holy Spirit of God was working. You see, the Holy Spirit just didn't come on Jesus at his baptism and then leave him before the crucifixion. Jesus was the God-man from the time of conception. 
Now that theology drives our ethics about the unborn as being discreet, truly persons. And abortion is inexcusable. It's wicked and ungodly. But here, Joseph is a man of faith. He was justified in believing God. And like Abraham before him, we're given the example of one who believed and obeyed and trusted and hoped. There's a compound meaning to this description of Joseph that he was a just man. The compound meaning is this, that in right reconciled relationship with God, he was first, by the predestinating purpose and foreknowledge of God, he was called and justified together with the hope and promise of glorification. I can say that with all the authority of Scripture. That's the order of salvation. That's how Joseph was first a just man, by the grace of God. And then secondly, because he was a justified and transformed believer, he was a just man whose faith righteousness showed in his being a changed man from the inside out. In humility, in kindness, in patience, in trust, in obedience, in perseverance, in loving and serving God. What I love about this story is that the Holy Bible gives us wonderful uh, revelations of secret things. Here an angel came to Joseph secretly in his dream to tell him and to, to soothe the distress that he was under. Can you imagine? Joseph discovering that Mary is with child. What could he think but what you and I would think? She has another man. She's been unfaithful to me. She loves somebody else. But the angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, No, no, you got it wrong. Joseph believed. He believed the angel. Attested to him. And he showed his transformed heart of being a righteous man, reconciled to God, convinced and accepting the testimony that God gave him. The question is, do you and I accept that from Scripture? God gives us an insight into the secret that he gave to Joseph. Do, you, do we believe that? Do you believe that? I believe it. You see, God doesn't have to do it over for me. He's recorded it in the Bible to reveal it to me. I believe this is what happened. I believe Joseph is a just man by faith. I believe the angel of the Lord came to him in his dream and that Joseph showed his transformed heart and mind to believe what God told him. And then in humility and kindness and patience and obedience and perseverance and loving and serving God, he loved Mary and he loved Jesus. So... It is something to celebrate and to encourage us along in our walk of faith. So Joseph, husband of Mary, is an example to Christian believers in every generation to believe God. I'm preaching you this morning from the scriptures about Joseph, the husband of Mary, being a, a justified man, living by faith, trusting and serving God. And he's an example, and I'm saying to you, you're to do the same thing. You are to trust God. You're to live by faith. In verse 16 of chapter 1 of Matthew, we read this. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom... Now, that word whom in the Greek text is a feminine relative pronoun. So we could very rightly translate it, of her was born Jesus, who is called Christ. 
Also, if you will note, of her was born. Now, this is pretty interesting because there's a change here in uh, the verb form from the active to the passive. And what is significant here is that for the preceding verses, over 40 times, the term is used birthed, begot, or fathered. You can see it in the first part of verse 16. And and Jacob begot. Jacob um, fathered. It's an active verb. He was the active father of Joseph. He actively fathered him. But then we come to Mary, it says, of her was, and here the form is changed to passive, was born. So that it was of the passive uh, reception of um, Mary that the Holy Spirit came upon her in such a way as to bring about the conception, the miraculous conception. It is a virgin birth, but it's more than a virgin birth in that there's not an earthly father. It's a miraculous conception of the divine and the human in the person of the Virgin Mary. And so she was passive in receiving that conception. Really, really interesting, uh, borne out in the, in the grammar of the text there. And then the other expressions given in the text was that, that uh, Mary and Joseph did not know one another in uh, a marital relation as husband and wife until after Jesus was born. Why is that important? Because it tells us that the unique birth of Jesus Christ was the miracle of miracles. His conception and birth was supernatural because he is supernatural. He is the God-man. And so Joseph believed God. And I ask you, do you believe God? God uses human servants often without any worldly acclaim. This sounds like a foolish story. This sounds like, oh, that doesn't give a lot of praise and doesn't give you power and presence in the, in, in the world. That's what we need. We want to impress the world. We need to be able to, to just overwhelm them. No, that's not the way God works. So here in um, these first 16 verses of the Gospel of Matthew, we find, for example, five women who are named in this earthly genealogy of Jesus. Now, it was not the custom of the prevailing cultures of the Jewish, the Roman, or the Greek to name women in the genealogy. But there are five women who are named here. Tamar, if you go back in the Old Testament, Tamar is named in the genealogy of Jesus, even though by a selfish act of injustice and overpowering, the patriarch Judah took her. But she's not shamed. Judah's not named, but Tamar is. Rahab, you may have heard of Rahab. She was non-Jewish. But yet... She believed she was a God-fearing woman from the reputation that she had heard of the children of Israel and what God was doing. And as a God-fearing woman, she was adopted into the family of God, into the covenant by grace, even though she had been a disreputable woman in Jericho. Ruth, you've heard of Ruth uh, and Boaz? Well, Ruth was a non-Jewish woman. She was of the accursed Moabites, but she married a, 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 a man of the covenant, And she was received into that covenant. And what was represented of the kinsman redeemer, if you know the story of Ruth, how it is that that Boaz ended up being able to um, claim her for his wife. A beautiful story there is the kinsman redeemer because of his uh, relative who had been her husband who died. And from an order that God had put in place regarding the, the law of the Leverite in terms of the responsibility within the family of the kinsman to take the wife widowed of, of a kinsman. 
But then there's a greater story that's being unfolded here of the true kinsman redeemer. Remember, Ruth and Boaz were the grandparents of David. And David is a, a representative prophetically of the greater king, even Jesus, the kinsman redeemer. And then the wife of Uriah is mentioned here. You know her as Bathsheba. And you might remember how Uriah the Hittite was devoted and loyal soldier, an officer in King David's corps, and yet how David violated his wife and then David uh, ordered even the death of Uriah. It was a murder. David! And Jesus is traced back to David, the great King David. But David, a, a sinner even with the complicity of murder, and yet... God's grace is greater than all our sin. And she is mentioned and noted here in the earthly genealogy of Jesus. And so both Joseph and Mary, through collateral lines, go back to David. Mary is a descendant of King David through the tribe of Judah, the royal tribe. And she was a young virgin woman of faith chosen by God. Now away with all of this attempt to discredit her say that she was just a young woman and to try to minimize or to deny the virgin birth. It is essential. It's prophetic. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. It is stated for us in Scripture. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe God? Joseph believed God. Joseph was a man justified by faith. So I already mentioned to you that Joseph is named in the same manner as the preceding genealogy as being begotten or being fathered by Jacob. But then I pointed out to you how that changes in the second part of verse 16 that uh, he was the husband of Mary, of her was born, passive voice, was born Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the same as Yeshua or Joshua, it means Savior in Hebrew and in Greek. It means Savior. And Christ, Christos, Messiah, means anointed one. So of her was born the Savior who is the Anointed One. And that will be further elaborated on in the story with Joseph. So in verse 17, God's holy providence is trustworthy, even if believers do not know all the details. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, are 14 generations. So here, Matthew is summarizing and giving us a system. He's, he's not being uh, detailed. Some people call into question Matthew's gene genealogy and Luke's genealogy. They have different purposes. They're not in contradiction to one another. They're simply after the, the custom of the day, systematizing and using uh, the genealogy in terms of uh, identifying what God had revealed across the generations that had now come to pass. And so in God's holy providence, He is to be trusted, even if believers don't know all the details. And so in verse 18 and following have the, the miracles that are supernatural signs and wonders by which divine powers suspend, overrule, or transcend the limitations of the laws of creation really comes down to, to us in this matter of believing God as to whether we're naturalist or rationalist or are we supernaturalist. Do we believe in the presence of God? Do we believe in God's power and presence? We have the record of miracles in the Bible. They've attempted to be discredited. One of the most important ones is the miracle of the virgin birth and the incarnation. 
It's presented to us as supernatural, as an act of God, that God is active in the world of His creation. He's still active in the world of His creation. He doesn't need to repeat what He's already done. Jesus doesn't need to come again this way. He already came once, and it's recorded for us in Scripture. The question is, do you believe it? And do you believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Anointed One of God, who came into the world to save sinners? And do you believe that you're a sinner who needs to be saved? That's what the story's all about. Now I've run out of time. Can't believe it. So I'm going to pick up here next week. I'll have next week's sermon already done. <laughs> so I'm going to pick up here with verse 18 through 25 next week, uh, continuing on about Joseph as an example to us. Joseph, a man who believed God. Joseph, justified by faith. And so may we too find that joy in believing. We come to the Lord's Supper this morning and we're